Hello and welcome to Happy Place, the show where we reach across the divide and provide some much needed human connection and inspiration with the help of some very special guests. I'm Fern Cotton and a huge thank you for all the wonderful feedback on our episode with Kelly Jones. Nad Loves to Run got in touch on Apple Podcasts to say, So glad I chose to walk instead of a run as this episode would have stopped me in my tracks. We all know that Kelly is talented, but this showed him in a truly different light, which makes you love and admire him on another level. I literally grew up a few miles away from Kelly, and to hear him talk so openly is very inspiring. I wish him and his family the very best for the future. Oh my God, I mean, I'm goosebumps from head to toe. Um, Nad, thank you so much for that. I so appreciate your time and energy it was a, a remarkable story and I'm so grateful to Kelly that he chose to talk about it on the podcast. Um, it was brave, it was um, insightful, eloquent and really, really helpful to a lot of people. I've spoken to Kelly on the phone a couple of times since the podcast went out and he's also, you know, just can't, he can't believe the reaction and how many people have sent such lovely messages and have said that it's helped them too. So, um, thank you from me. And, uh, I guess I can also say a big thank you from Kelly too. Now we had loads like this. Thank you for every single one. Each time you react to the episodes, it really means a lot. I really can't thank you enough. I hope that today inspires you in other ways as we spend time with Ricky Gervais. You know, I, I think of life, it's like a holiday. We don't exist for 13 and a half billion years. Then we have these 80, 90, 100 years, if we're lucky, of, of consciousness and introspection and joy and laughter and wine. Mm. And then we die never to exist again. And so what do we do with it? Well, we make the most of it. Star of The Office, comedian and creator of the hit Netflix series, my absolute favourite, Afterlife. If you haven't seen it, please go try it now. I mean, I've never laughed or cried so much during a TV show. It's, it's beautiful is what it is. Bloody beautiful. Ricky has unsurprisingly plenty to say about the world. You can look forward to that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, here's the show. Hi, Ricky. Hello. Uh, I haven't got a, I'm not under a duvet, but I think the sound's all right, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely fine. It will add some atmosphere. But yeah, I've tried my... I've been recording all of my radio shows from under here as well. So um, Good. that's how we're doing it. <laughs> Good. It's just it's ludicrous. The whole very, thing is... Very comfortable. It's not at all, actually. I'm sat on the floor with my legs straddling a chair that my laptop and microphone are on. Great. But hey, you know, we're in weird times, aren't we? Yeah. What's weird about it is it's, um, it's global. Mm. nothing is global like this not you know not at the same time you know even like weather weather's global but it's different everywhere you know mm. it's it is strange and it's the fact that it's it's on the new the thing you're going through is on the news all the time that's what's yeah. the weird thing and everyone knows that everyone's in the same boat that's the strange thing really anyway I know, it's a weird one. I think a lot of people are, you know, like I certainly am sort of just fumbling through it all and trying to work out my own barometer of how much of that I can take on board because a lot of that, obviously, the stuff that we're sort of digesting and, and imbibing from the news or social media, whatever, is 
fear-based and I think you do have to work out what you're capable of taking on. As soon as I was resigned to everything, it was okay. I, what I didn't like was that period about a month ago when you didn't know what the right thing to do was. Like, if they don't cancel the gigs, do I cancel the gigs? You know, yeah. and all those things. Just not. But then when they said we're in lockdown, I thought, great, that's it. Everyone's in the same boat. No whinging. Let's get on with it. We're postponing. We're postponing normal life for yeah. however long. And um, and, and as you know, I've, I've said many times, you won't hear me complain. Not when there's, not when there's nurses who, who are doing fourteen-hour shift. Do you know what I mean? It's like we're, yeah, we. I, I have no right to complain about anything. Um, and the other thing, if I'm being honest, is it hasn't affected me. Um, as as much as most people, you know, I'm 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 right. Apart from the gigs being postponed, I'm writing. I don't go out anyway. There's always enough booze in the house for a nuclear winter. <laughs> so it's it's business as usual. Um, uh, we did we we are playing badminton in the garden, which is great. Ooh. You find that badminton kit you bought three years ago and it's never been used. And then you think, <laughs> right here we go. And you're lucky. There's been no wind. It's perfect badminton weather. I know. It's been. It's been. Yeah. It's been good badminton weather. I must say. <laughs> there's, the, there's the headline. That is the headline. Ricky Gervais <laughs> loves badminton. Um, I, I have to personally kind of officially start this episode by thanking you for creating Afterlife because I don't think I've ever watched anything so thoughtful in my entire life and. I just lapped up series one. I've been lucky enough to see a preview of, of series two, which again had um, a similar effect on me. And it's just beautiful. I've never laughed and cried as much in an episode. I've had stuff that's made me, you know, piss myself laughing and stuff that's made me feel like I can't breathe with tears. But this has done both. And I think that's such a a bizarre and unique skill to have that when you're writing, you you can tap into both. I find that extraordinary. Yeah, well, I think I've always tried um, to reflect real life. I've been plagued with realism, uh, not just in things that, you know, could happen, but, you know, often things that have. Everything is sort of semi-autobiographical, I guess. Everything's sort of vaguely existential. I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's because I'm an atheist and I think this is all we've got. So... I'm sort of obsessed with not only making the most of your life, but, uh, you know, the, the, uh, knowing it's finite and, and, you know, I suppose you reflect, I, I don't sit, I don't sit round, uh, you know, in a, in a sheet being all like you, um, <laughs> being all philosophical. I, I just, you know, that these are, these are things that you now and again sort of ponder through your life, you know, and the older you get, you, the more you've pondered things, I, I, I think. But yeah, I, I, uh, as you get older and as you get better at your work, I, I, I don't think I want to be bigger or I, I want to get more viewers or win more awards. I think I want to be more honest. It, every time it's like waking up, you go, ah, oh, I could be even more honest now. I'm peeling away more and more layers. Oh my God, this is the rawest I've ever been. And then in a year's time, I go, no, it wasn't. This is, the, I, I thought of a way to be more honest and more raw. And that's my sort of obsession. Um, and when people say things like, um, oh my God, it was, it, was, it was a tough watch or it was harsh or it was brutal. What they mean is it was real. Yeah. In fiction, whatever you watch in fiction, it's not as harsh as real life. There, you know, when you see when you see an amazing movie or you go, oh, that was that was tough. Then you watch a documentary about real lives and you go, shit, that was nothing. They watered it down. You know, real life is harsh. Real life is brutal. Real life is finite. And if you can sort of condense all those fears and feelings, um, uh, I think you, it, people resonate with it. And I think we second guess people too much as artists or creators and uh, 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 often it's not our fault. I think everyone starts out with those good intentions and, um, and then it gets watered down. Like, you know, if it was, if this was normal TV, it, it wouldn't be on. 
They yeah. say, right, cut about nine of the C words in the first episode, mm. and then we, then we, then we can maybe broadcast it. <laughs> cut a few more, and we can put it on before nine, and you'll get more viewers. Cut that storyline. You can't have the. We need this. We need. And soon you go, okay, okay, and lots of little compromises. You're you're back to square one. Yeah. So, um, I think it, it's a reflection of uh, I, I've I've lived long enough to sort of. Um, see a few things and and be honest and ponder all those things you've said netflix has no interference um but i think mainly it's because uh people are used to being patronized and there's no need who are we to second guess what people at home can take yeah they can take anything they've heard they've heard worse language in their building site or their canteen or you know they really they really know I know, it's bizarre. But it takes, um, I don't know if it's uh, confidence or or a comfort in your own beliefs to go ahead and work in that way. Because like you say, so many people don't. TV traditionally doesn't approach subject matters in that way. It does kind of mute or or dilute. That's a good question, really. Um, is Is it bravery or or not caring, or a bit of both. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would worry, if I did all this, it would be a pyrrhic victory to do something so outrageous and so offensive and so unpleasant that no one would watch it, and the broadcaster would go, you lost money, we're not doing it again. Mm. So you do have those considerations, but I, 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 I do want it to be... Um, palatable as well it's not like i'm trying to scare people off or ruin their day i want people to like this and i think i think that's the that's the tricky bit that you want to deal with all these taboo subjects and and lead people by the hand through a scary forest but you want to bring them out the other side otherwise that there's no joy this is still just entertainment i'm not i'm not lecturing anyone i'm not teaching anyone um, I, I want them to enjoy these half hours. And I think people, have, what I found is that um, I enjoy crying as much as laughing. Yeah, It's still a workout. We create our own heroes and villains as a role play for the soul. And you go through all these emotions like they were real, but they're not. So no one really got hurt. And I, I love that juxtaposition that people are laughing and then crying. But that happens in real life too. My mum's funeral, my dad's funeral. We were crying, but we were laughing because the people were saying funny things mm. about them. It was a celebration. And I think celebrating life is taking everything. It's, you can't pick and choose. You can't cherry pick. Obviously, the aim is to, be, is to fill your days with more joy and happiness and as little pain as possible. But, you know, life to a certain extent that there is a bit of pain there is a bit of pain and it and it does make you stronger and it and it, and it is worth it's worth trying hard you know that's painful to some people my favorite thing is sitting on the couch with a bottle of wine watching netflix um with jane and that's it but you've got to work to be able to do that all the t- time do you know what i mean yeah um and these and those little mundane things those little chores they get you through. Afterlife is about the mundane saving his life. He had to feed the dog. He's got to go to work to earn enough money to get drunk. You know, these, these, there's, mm. we compromise. We compromise all the time. But, you know, watching the show, I, I don't think anyone would go, Ricky's just written this to, to shock people. You can see that it's just you being brutally honest, which is, you know, exactly what you've just said. The show is is founded on its its truth and its honesty and we're not really used to that especially in this country you know we are used to sort of lying and being a bit passive aggressive after saying no or saying yes when we really mean the opposite and it's bizarre because you're just sort of confronting that and saying well actually I don't have time for that anymore and I wonder if you've from practicing that that, people do that because yeah they think that that, that they want an easy life but Mm. um uh, and, and often, sometimes there's a there's a, a conflict between um, what's right and what's honest, and what's an easy life. Yeah, you know, um, uh, the only reason I ever lie 
is because it's easier than telling the truth sometimes. Mm. Right? And I, I don't mean big, like, I mean, um, oh, uh, can you come to the christening? Oh, I can't. I'm giving blood at the orphanage. <laughs> now, that is because I don't want to say, when, uh, honestly, we don't like you that much and your, your friends are awful. And yeah. It's like we don't want to do that. That sort of truth isn't good for anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's the sort of thing we do all the time, you know. Um, uh, and when you've got a fictional character, and I made him have nothing to lose so he could do those things. Yeah. Like, Usually when we're mugged, we hand over the money because we don't. We might have a baby in a stroller or they might know where we live or we don't, you know, all these things we go, it's easy to hand over the money. We're thinking, oh, I want to I smash him in the face with this tin of dog food. And in a fiction, I can go, let's smash him in the face yeah, yeah, with yeah. this tin of dog food. You yeah. know? And so, like telling Kath, like, you're boring. Just wonderful yeah. release for him, just saying, I think you're boring. Yeah. And we all think yeah. it, but we don't say it. Yeah, we say it. And also, we don't say it because it's not nice. You know, not everything Tony does is right. I, yeah. I like that. I like the ambiguity of morality that he's not right all the time. But the reason he's doing things that are wrong is because he's hurt. Yeah, he's in pain. He's, he's wounded. He's, he's, a, he's, he's, got a, he's got his leg in a trap. And he doesn't know if this person coming to save him or make it worse. You know, um, so that, that's, that's the dilemma. Um, and uh, I had to, I had to make sure the audience felt sorry for him, for them to care. Because mm. if he hadn't lost, if this guy was just just a horrible, misanthropic, grumpy, cruel, aggressive, you'd go, I'm not watching this. I don't, I, yeah. I don't. But we know why. We know he's hurt. We want to hug him because we're nice. We're human. We. Mm. whatever we go oh yeah okay um i feel sorry for him you know even if you don't like someone you can still feel sorry for them because that's what being human is it, it it's all about empathy and drama is about empathy and comedy is about empathy and I, I think you have to care about someone someone to to even watch them but the comedy comes from two sort of different places one it comes from us living vicariously through his candor we, we, because we know we can't say those things, you know, but we want to, we laugh as a release. We go, wouldn't it be funny if I could say those things, but I can't. Right? And mm. so someone's saying them for us, that's funny. The other thing it comes from is the staple of comedy is um, an ordinary person trying to do something they're not equipped to do. We laugh at the blind spot, um, you know, with David Brent or whoever, we're laughing at the blind spot. We're laughing... Uh, the, the, what they think of themselves and what we really think of them. But that's still empathetic. We can be sort of going, oh, I've done that. Or, mm. or at least, oh, God, that's worse than me. So, um, and what Tony tried to do was to turn himself into this badass. He tried to make himself a psychopath so he wouldn't feel pain anymore. And he can't, because he's not. Yeah. He's not. He's basically, he's burdened. He, he was a, he's a nice person. And he's burdened with all these all these good things like guilt and sympathy and um you know he he uh he he cares about people he he's um the vulnerable you know he wasn't he cared about his dog and his nephew and the new girl and the old lady in the graveyard um so uh this one sort of starts with him thinking well okay i could use my superpower for good what i'll do is i'll still punish people but i'll only punish people who deserve it so now he's trying to negotiate, you know. Well, also, and you see him in the series to um, kind of open up a little bit to empathy for others. Because Matt's now struggling in series two. So he's having to look outside of his own world, which yeah. in series one, he didn't really have to do. Well, there's he a was just of, in such bitter there, pain. Yeah, there's a couple of lines in that that, that, that that give that point, is that sometimes it's good to be needed. Sometimes you can be feeling sorry for yourself. But then you realise that helping someone else makes you feel better as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, there's, it's a Wonderful Life, one of the best movies ever, one of my favourite movies. It starts with an angel jumping in the river. So a man who's about to commit suicide has to save him. It's brilliant. It's mm. such a brilliant setup for 
empathy and kindness and worth and humanity. It's, it's, it's so, it, it, it's, it, it represents all those things in one little scene. And, you know, uh, Tony was going to kill himself, but the dog was hungry. And I thought that's a yeah. lovely, it's sort of funny, but it's also real. It's very real. You know, mm. you would, you go, well, it's not the dog's fault. I'll feed the dog first. Um, uh, and so all those things and Anne in the, in the graveyard uh, in, in series two, you know, she says, you know, it's, it's better to be needed. Um, yeah. You have to have worth as well. It's one of the, if you have to, if you have to tick all the boxes of the meaning of life, worth would certainly be near the top, whether people know it or not, you know? Yeah, well, it's undervalued. Like, you know, we put in the modern world so many bullshit concepts ahead of worth, that, you know, like even, and I feel like you're challenging this within the show, but, you know, being seen in the modern world has has weirdly got this huge importance, whether it's on social media yes. or on well, YouTube or whatever, and in your local paper, everyone wants to be on the front page, like Brian's desperate to be on the front page. You know, worth and, and empathy and compassion, those wonderful qualities are so far down the list because being seen is so important, strangely. That's exactly right. People have mistaken narcissism for worth. They've mistaken loving yourself for no reason is as good as loving yourself for good reason. And you should, you know, you should love yourself because you've, 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 done, you've done good things and you're a good moral person. You put people... Um, before yourself and you leave the world a better place than you came into it all those things those are the, those are the reasons to love yourself just taking a picture of yourself and putting it out there and getting likes that's no reason to love yourself Ooh, you know yeah and I think it's a whole generation that have have made that mistake you know there's people taking selfies at Auschwitz and mm. it's like I, I don't know where to start but social media uh, also started the problem with this myth of we've always had, I talk about this in, in humanity. Um, we've always had uh, my opinion is worth as much as your opinion. And that's true. Right? But then what happened was we've got my opinion is worth as much as your fact. Like the yeah. amount of likes or retweets proved you right. Well, no, that just means they're all idiots too. Uh, you know, <laughs> tr- tr- truth is not a democracy. It's mm, either right or it mm, isn't. You know, yeah. lots of people getting together and saying the earth is flat doesn't change the shape of the earth. And mm. that's what, you know, that's why you want to get across with the difference between truth and popular opinion. You know? I, I'm so, well, you know what, I'm so fascinated with this subject of truth, truth telling, knowing what your own truth stands for. I'm writing a book around this subject at the moment and mainly I think and this is one of the reasons why I love Afterlife so much again and why I love what you do so much is because I'm often not great at it I I wuss out I I worry way too much about what the general consensus will be what people's opinion of me will be and I sometimes look at your work in whatever guise it's in and I think I wonder if you have any concern for that what other people think or what they're going to say yes. and how yes. they're going to judge what you do yes of course you do because i'm because i'm human and i'd rather people liked my work than hated it but um then you, you've got to analyze why because some people hate me because i exist some people hate me because i'm an atheist some people have so you'd say that, you know, some people are hated because of the colour of their skin. It doesn't mean the person hating is right, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I've applied that often to offence. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right because some people are offended by equality, you know? And, and so we, we have to look at why someone's offended and why someone hates you and so why. And um, that's about integrity and that's about self-belief and they have to be right so if I see a bad review of when I work and um they go this this and that I can go well that's not true that's not true but if they hit someone I go oh that's true mm. oh, they're right I did they're, they're right that hurts a lot more yeah 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 like, and uh, yeah and, and so you can go okay I should address that it's you, I mean you would be a psychopath to go I'm never going to listen to anyone's opinion except myself, right? 
Yeah. And I mean that in real life. You know, it's different in art because, you know, that is a bit of a dictatorship and you shouldn't second guess anyone with art because it is only down to opinion. So it is only yours that matters. You're doing your thing. But if you mean in real life, do I go around not caring what people think of me? I'm not going, well, no, of course not. The opposite is true. I, 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 when I, when I um, first did The Office and there was a chance that I'd become famous, I feared that because I thought, oh, what if someone slags me off? Oh, I don't deserve it. I'm a nice person. What if someone lies about me? I've, still, I've seen them lie about people. And, all the, and then when it happens, the first time it happens, you go, oh, that's not true. You look on Wikipedia, none of this is true. And then mm-hmm. you think, who gives a shit? Yeah. You know, yeah, and then when you yeah. get older, and it's taken me a long time, you know, 10, 15 years probably, and then you suddenly realise that reputation is important, but it, reputation is what strangers think of you. Character is what counts because that's what you really are and that's what friends know you as. So that's what counts. And, and it, it takes a long time to have a, a thick skin because, you know, we're human. You, you, you can't... Anyone who says they're, they're not a little bit annoyed by a bad review, even for... It's, it's only for 30 seconds. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't wallow. I don't care. In fact, I quite like it now. I actually quite like it because it's wiggling a tooth. It's mm. remind, you know, it's remind, it's being alive. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, from what you've said a moment ago about people's opinions, you know, they're all obviously subjective and it doesn't mean that they're right. I have sensed that you might actively like challenging that and going, well... Let's throw some stuff out there and see what people say and then still go, oh, no, I still don't care. Well, exactly. But I think you have to separate the work from real life because... Of course. Because I am very different. On stage, I'm a, I've worked on it. I, the, the work can stand up for itself. For me to go around saying those things to strangers for no reason that I say in, in, you know, in terms of comedy or drama or irony or whatever, no, I, it would be horrific. Because I, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I don't want to. People think that because I'm an atheist, I run to churches and going, there is no God. You're all idiots. I, there's nothing <laughs> further from the truth. It's like, why would I do that? Why would I? It's nothing yeah. to do with me what people believe in. But when I'm analysing it and for comedy or drama, then that's my world. I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to, you know, it's like getting angry at maths. And the problem comes. I want to tell people they shouldn't take jokes personally. This yes. isn't really me. And I think people make the mistake that any joke, they think the joke is a window to the comedian's soul. They think that that's your true feelings. And it, it isn't. It could be the opposite. I'll structure a joke, and I try and make that joke as funny as possible. Um, I, could, I could take on a completely different side of the argument. I'll flip halfway through a joke and I go, no, I've got, no, it's better if I pretend to be really right wing for this joke, Mm, mm. you know, and, and people get confused because I go back and forth. And then I, then I do something that's real and I get angry about um, uh, animal cruelty. And then I go back to um, getting things wrong, you know, and and you've got to assume that the audience are clever enough to know. I I start my new stand up like Supernature. I come out and I tell a joke, right? And uh, it gets a laugh uh, and that gets a groan because it's sort of an off colour. And I go, that was irony. Um, that's when I, as a comedian, um, say something I don't really believe to elicit a laugh in the audience. And you're laughing at the wrong thing because you know what the right thing is. So <laughs> I'm making fun of them understanding. Yeah. But it's actually very good because they remember that. And then when I go out and I do another one, I go, don't let me down now. Don't let me down. Mm-hmm. So I challenge them to understand they, don't, they shouldn't take this personally because it's just a joke. And this myth that 
you know, some jokes punch up and some punch down. Jokes don't punch anywhere. That's a metaphor. That, but people go, oh no, it really did punch. It punched, it punched someone in the face and it hurt them. It didn't. It's just, it's a, it's a collection of words used to elicit a, a joke, you know, elicit a laugh. Um, and uh, I, I think that we've sort of reached the peak recently where people did take jokes personally and they took, you know, some people take the truth personally. I talk about that in humanity where sometimes I'll, uh, I'll tweet something provocative and I know that they're, they're going to take it. I say, um, happy birthday earth, 4.6 billion years old. And someone always says, um, why are you having a go at creationism? So they mm. jumped in the way of the bullet. And I was, yeah. I was sort of, but you, again, you can't take the age of the earth personally. Yeah. But I, but I think you can once, you know, and I've heard you sort of dissect this kind of thing before. And also I've watched enough of your work to see how you oscillate between the absolute ridiculous silliness to like very deep thought and analysis of things that do need to be challenged. And I, and I enjoy watching you challenge them because also the reaction's interesting to watch. Sort of to see how, you know, people vary in their reaction, whether it's shock, faux shock, you know, finding it hilarious or utter disgust and, and how it probably says a lot more about them than anything in the situation. And, and it's enjoyable to watch that dissected because like you say, we have reached this sort of strange peak of nobody really knowing what the line is or what the joke is or if they should take it personally or what any of us are allowed to say. And I well, wonder what the it, line it, you know, is for you. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, um, I think 20 years ago, if, uh, if you make a joke or do a routine or do something and people, you know, say, oh, that's really offensive, you'd look into it. You'd go, really, why? They'd go, oh, okay, okay. Now if someone says I'm offended, yeah, I know, everyone is. Don't don't worry about it. You know, some people think that I'm offended is an argument. Uh, And Mm. what they mean is I don't don't want you to say that again because it hurts my feelings. Whereas you will say, well, but where's your argument? What's your argument? Why Why are you telling me this? Why do you expect me to do anything about it? And... And I think offence is easier these days. Um, again, 20 years ago, if you saw someone tell you you're offended, you had to get out a, a piece of paper and a letter and go, dear BBC, I'm yeah. like, oh, I can't be bothered. But now yeah. you fire off a tweet and it's picked up and, it, and it's, it's like road rage. Twitter's fast. It's fast. So you, you can start it and, and, and tempers are fast. And so it all gets out of hand. Whereas if you calm it down and go, well, what are you really... What are you really saying? What's your argument? What is the... And very often it comes down to people took it personally when they didn't need to. Or I I think nine times out of ten, people mistake the the target of the joke with the subject. Um, Mm. And that's... They think you shouldn't, you know, that you shouldn't joke about a certain subject, which is just untrue. It depends what the joke is. We discuss every subject... Journalists write about every subject. Why? Where's this weird rule that a comedian can't joke about a subject? You know, it depends on the target. And, and that's what I, I just, I, I can't stress that enough, that when you look into it, um, uh, th- there's, there's no reason to be offended by, again, it's like, it's, it's like being offended by maths. It's, it, it doesn't affect you. It's not, it's not real harm, you know? I find it so fascinating because I guess so much of your work is driven by this um, undercurrent of like needing to challenge things that either irk you or needing to challenge concepts that are widely thrown about that you don't necessarily agree with. And, you know, we all have that choice in life and I'm certainly driven by things that I feel a certain amount of discomfort with or unrest and I write about them or or do podcasts or whatever it is, create something about it to try and figure it out. And I wonder what it is for you that has, that drives you because you could just go, oh, I don't fucking care, whatever. But it seems to really drive your work. Well, that's true as well. I could say that. You're right. You know, I I could go, oh, 
I can't be bothered. Or I can't, who cares? And, and yeah. that, that is, but that, that's true for everything, isn't it? You know, yeah. I, I, um, so given that this is sort of my profession and my interest, um, uh, I, I do it, it's like I'm mining. I'm mining yeah. for interesting things and interesting things that, that get a reaction hopefully get a laugh um so that's all i'm doing i'm looking i'm looking i'm looking everywhere and sometimes you don't have to look sometimes it comes and hits you in the face and you go well that's what's my first reaction and and it does come down to a different point of view or an honesty and sometimes um uh people go oh i've thought that but i've never i've never been able to put it into words or they say i've never thought of it that way and there's no right or wrong thing for, for to to elicit discussion and thought and i deal in taboo subjects because um they're less mined by definition they're they're sort of they're fresh territory you see this so much in afterlife there's there's so many subject matters that you could extract in that way uh, another one aside from grief is uh, loneliness you know each character seems to have their own element of loneliness whether it's emma the nurse tony tony's dad with dementia the sex worker daphne julian the drug addict everyone seems to have this sort of isolation in life or, or yeah. they feel ostracized why why was that a subject matter that, that felt important to explore with this series because it's true it, it, it's true everyone's got their their own problems and sometimes we we ignore them and we think that we're in the worst position and you know that that you know we feel sorry for ourselves and and we're very spoiled you know and sometimes it takes something to snap you out of that and that's what i mean with helping someone who's worse off than you it's sometimes it makes you feel good about yourself even down to when i was a kid and my mum made me a meal that wasn't my favorite meal right <laughs> she'd go there's kids starving in africa and that sounds like quite a crass thing, but it, I, I, you know, I, I thought, yeah, and in a weird way, that terrible thing makes you feel better about yourself because you stop, you don't want to, you, you don't want to feel spoiled. Mm, I do it to my kids. I wish I didn't, but I do say quite often, there are kids with no toys out there, just yeah. play with the toy I've given you or whatever. Yeah, and, and maybe it's not, a, maybe they don't quite get it, but you, you do eventually, and, and, it, and it's really true. It's yeah. just true. And there's a line in the first series of Afterlife where, you know, my brother-in-law, Matt, says, um, what, you've just suddenly realised that other people have problems too. Um, mm. And he says, next time, you know, you get a waitress fired because your suit's cold, remember she might have just found out her mother's got cancer. And... Again, I, 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 I always think that. And uh, you, you put yourself there. You remember what you were like when you heard terrible news and that people were nice to you or they weren't nice to you or how you felt. And you just try and apply that because you, you don't want people... If you're a nice person, you don't want anyone to be going through terrible things. And again, if you're a nice person, you can't enjoy all your good things if there's terrible things in front of you. So you try and make, you try and, is everyone good? Is everyone well? Yeah, good. I can enjoy it then. And, mm. uh, and you, you know, there's, you don't, you can't beat yourself up about it, but because there are bad things happening all the time. Um, but you can, you can, you know, another line that probably says, you know, you can't change the world, but you, you can change your little corner of it. You know, and if everyone did that, it would be a better, world so yes i sort of do i do think everyone's got their own problems and but we're we're still we've got we've still got this narcissism creeping in that we think well no no one's as bad off as me mm. I, I, I do a routine in um humanity that's based on a true story i did a i did a, a routine on uh, jimmy fallon about um uh nut allergies that you know it's a joke that I get on a plane and when there's a, a, a woman with a fatal nut allergy and we're not allowed to and it's none of this is true I'm going I never wanted nuts more I thought I, I wish I bought my own one with me so now what I do is rub myself down with nuts in case I go so it's none of it's true obviously right but it gets good yeah. so 
the next day on Twitter, someone's got, how dare you joke about um, nut allergies? My, uh, my daughter's got a nut allergy to that. And so first of all, I thought, well, that's, that's crazy. But then she carries on and she's acting NBC and she's acting Jimmy Fallon. And I'm thinking, ignore it. This is crazy. You can't explain. And, um, and then she sends me this thing. Uh, you should never joke about food allergies. And I just thought that was just such a, and I know she's in a terrible position, but I just thought it was such an arrogant thing to say. She doesn't know me. She doesn't, the routine wasn't true. I'm not, I'm, I'm not really that selfish. I don't really think it's a, a thing to joke about that if it was real. Um, so I said, I joke about AIDS, cancer, famine, and the Holocaust. And you're telling me I shouldn't joke about food allergies. And she sent back, yes, but the Holocaust didn't kill children. So she was so consumed in her own problem yeah. that she thought no other problem is as bad as this. And again, that's human. We live in our head. We go, no, this is terrible. It's not as bad as what I'm feeling. Because we can't, we don't, we can't put ourselves in other people's brains for a day. If we could we'd go, let, let me get back in my brain. It wasn't so bad. Do you think it's been sort of exasperated? Like, so say that anecdote about, you know, the waitress making the wrong soup or your soup's cold. Do you think that we have dehumanised others and that's become exasperated because of how we now use our phones, our laptops, social media? We don't see each other so much as other humans. What What we're seeing is another person to vent our anger on or it's just that that person doesn't necessarily have emotion attached to what they're saying or yeah I think it's always been there that we you know we're all, we're all a little bit selfish sometimes and we go you know uh what about my life you know um uh, people feel guilty about putting their parents in their home but then you go yeah but they, they, they've got a life as well and it's, and it's just bad luck and oh, I don't know what to do. And pe- people have always had these dilemmas that, you know, but what about me? That, that we're human, you know, cavemen used to put their hand on a cave and blow woad over it and go, look, about, look, I was here. I, I, I was here. And we've got, always got that. But it's just out of hand with social media because, you know, it's, it's like being able to read every toilet wall in the world yes. at once. It's just noise. Yes. It's people shouting out of a window. It's emptying drawer out of a window. It's going, look, look, all this stuff. It's me, me, me. And there's a new form of narcissism. There's an uber-narcissism. And that's because like breeds like. So you see these people who have worked out and they've got their shirt off and they're on a plane a private plane that they've hired for the day <laughs> and they make people go I'm not achieving anything I'm rubbish yeah, I, I need yeah, to yeah. work out and get a plane you know and it's, it's evil it's not true mm. it's not true it's you're mm. you know what just everyone just do what you do what you like happiness is all we're trying to do that's all we're trying to be we're just trying to get through life and be mostly happy and feel good about ourselves and sometimes we go around the houses and we think about that. What's happiness? Oh, it's being famous or it's having nine cars. If I had 10 cars, I'd even be, you can't drive 10 cars. That doesn't, that doesn't make you 10 times happier. But you and, demonstrate this in the show. Like, you know, you, you see all Tony wants is to be on the sofa with his wife, having a glass of wine yeah. and having a laugh. And, and that bit really resonated with me because I, I hate going out. It's my worst nightmare. I adore being at home and doing very little. But like you've just illustrated, I very often think, God, you know, should I be living my best life? Should I be like I living it to the max? And I'm like... I don't want to. And I've had to find peace in the fact that I am a homebody. I like just being at home and chilling out. And that does make me happy. There is no one equation to this Honestly, mythical happiness. The, the things that think people think make you happy. Everything I do has to compete with me sitting on the sofa, being <laughs> slightly too full of pasta, with a half a bottle of wine to go, watching another episode of a Scandi Noir drama about serial killers it's like Heavenly. it's like um do you want to go to the pub no look look what i've got do you want to yeah. go to this red carpet no no look what i've got it's like <laughs> nothing what do you want to go and stand in a noisy bar no oh, no, no i really don't I no really don't no so you've just got to know what makes you happy and believe it and just 
and just do that all the time. Mm. <laughs> I, I totally agree. There's there's one line that again I I love in series one when Tony says hope is everything. And I think, well, especially at the moment with what's going on, but for many people, hope feels like a very far-fetched, um, mythical notion that, that they can't grab hold of. And I wonder what you personally believe in life is is a way to um, harness hope when you, when you really feel like none is afoot. Well, I, I, I think hope is there for a very good reason. It sort of keeps you going, you know, it, it, as a as a as an evolutionary trait or, or whatever, or as a, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a medicine. Uh, it's a bit of an opiate, you know? Um, and I just think it goes, okay, life's going to get better. If it's, if it's bad, it's worth um, living to, to get it good again or to get it good for the first time. And you know that is a that is a consideration because um, there comes a point where you can decide that uh, well actually the days now and for for the for for the future until the end there's going to be more pain in my life than joy uh, and uh, you know that's a terrible decision that some people have to make and you know that's in there as well you know the big question that afterlife asks um is when you lose everything is life still worth living and you do have to weigh it up you you know it is a it's a it's a you know you make a mental list of pros and cons and it's a decision that some people have to make genuinely which is very very sad but on a lighter note in general what we mean is things like um uh, oh, I've had some bad news. I've lost my job, but you know what I mean? I'll get a better job. You know, everyday things. Oh, the house we wanted fell through. Oh, maybe we'll get a better one. You know, all those little things, you know, that, that sometimes it, the hope isn't the big question. It's, I hope they cancel that christening I've promised to go to. <laughs> <laughs> It depends. It's all a matter of degrees and you negotiate life. But the big question is, am I more or less happy? You know, I I think of life, it's like a holiday. We don't exist for 13 and a half billion years. Then we have these 80, 90, 100 years, if we're lucky, of, of consciousness and introspection and joy and laughter and wine and pizza and dogs and friends and oh, isn't it amazing? What an amazing chance! You know, four hundred trillion to one that I exist as me, mm. and then we die, never to exist again. There isn't a point, but we're here, and so what do we do with it? Well, we make the most of it. That's all we do. We make the most of it, and one and part of that is 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 feeling good in your body, is feeling good in yourself, is happiness. And joy, and there's lots of things bring you joy, you know. And you could you could analyse it down to sharing, um, seeing other people happy. Um, Nothing fills me with more joy than seeing a dog running around. That I just I look at that. I I know how happy that dog is. Yeah. And I feel I feel it. Yeah. I I get it. it. so we're just looking, we're just looking, we're looking for happiness, you know, mm. and there's lots of caveats and conditions, as I said. Um, and one big thing is, is, is sharing it and, and making sure everyone else is happy as well to a certain degree. Um, and so that, that's what afterlife's about, really. It's, mm. it's Tony trying to learn that. It's trying to learn that. Well, and you see it and, you know, for people that haven't seen it and for those that are excited about the series, I won't obviously blow any spoilers, but the last episode, I don't even know what words to use. I, I, well, I've certainly never cried so much with every emotion. It was a, a beautiful end to series two. And um, again, thank you for making it because it, it certainly brought my husband and I a lot of joy 
uh, each night, sort of, you know, sparingly watching one a night so we could eke it out. It was just perfect. So thank you so much. And Well, that's, and- exa- that's exactly what it's for. That is Good. exactly what it's for. And there's, and there's no better review. There's no better review than it brought us 26 minutes of joy. It, that, that's, that's exactly it. And what I learned from Series 1 is that can come from anywhere because I've never had a reaction like it. And as I say, you know, it's not the size of the reaction. It was the emotional connection mm. with people. People coming up to me on the street and saying, I lost my brother three weeks before I watched it. And it really happened, which is, I mean incredible yeah an incredible yeah feeling of 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 well-being when someone says that to you um mm. so uh uh yeah it's 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 entertainment with um uh, i suppose uh, but but even just people thinking thinking that's entertainment yeah people don't realize that that thinking is entertainment that's why people do play chess and sudoku and crosswords because thinking is entertaining yeah and know? often tv these days well doesn't often require much you can just sit there and go uh but this is all yeah. about thought and then discussing it after and jesse and i talked about all manner of subjects after watching each episode and again it's it's rare i think within tv so it's um well thinking makes joy. you a better person i think yeah. that that's it it just you know that's why we dream. That's sometimes we haven't got time when we're awake. But your brain goes right. Let's have a look at this, mm. and it does it in weird, symbolic, you know. But it, it's it's going. Let's have a look at this. Mm. Let's have a look. What? Let's, uh, some people have only got time when they're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's yeah. Sleeping's good. Sleeping, I don't get that in this house. I don't get any sleep. I can't talk no. about sleep. Um, no. Look, Ricky, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. My I, pleasure. I, I can't say how much I love the series. Again, it is just a, a beauty. So thank you. Oh, and, thank um, you so much. And and take care of yourself. Thank, thank you. It's 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 been it's been weird having a chat with someone with a duvet on their head. <laughs> But you won't forget it. You won't forget this podcast. Yes, brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye, Ricky. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Ricky. I so loved chatting to you underneath my duvet on the floor of my stepson's bedroom. Um, it was such a, a, an interesting, wonderful chat. A man who is living his best life in lockdown. You enjoy that pasta, mate. Now, the second series of Afterlife is available on Netflix right now. I urge you to watch it. It is sublime. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes of the show every Monday straight to your phone. You can do that for free on your podcast app of choice. Thanks again to Ricky, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you lot for listening. I'll see you next week. (laughs) 